Hi, this is Andy from Strong Language and Violent Scenes Podcast. Just saying that we have a live show coming up. It's at McFab's in Glasgow on Thursday the 28th of February. Tickets are free, doors are at 6pm. Keep an eye on all of our social media for guests and films and all of that stuff. And we hope to see you there. Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 40 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Hello. <laughs> Hello Mitchell, how are you? I'm good, thank you, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Mitch, very well. Good, good, eventful week? Fairly eventful, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very podcast heavy. Yeah, as it has, we have recorded quite a lot, uh, I've seen you a fair amount, Yeah, I would say mm-hmm. probably more than I have since we started this little adventure together. Yeah, it has been, it's, it's been a recording heavy week, but um, some really good stuff in coming. Not least of all, the listeners' uh, choice episode, which we recorded the other night with Mr. <laughs> Billy Kirkwood, where we discussed Howard the Duck. Yes. Uh, at the recommendation of Dr. Lauren McIntyre. It's coming March 1st, and it was an absolute blast. Yeah, I, I would go so far as to not, not necessarily use the word blast, perhaps riot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, coming uh, come March 1st, that one. Uh, meantime, though, what have you been watching this week? Let me tell you, Mitch, I checked out Ruben Fleischer's Venom. Oh, I don't actually know if I knew that Ruben Fleischer had directed Venom. Well, now you do. For, like, previously had having done Zombieland and Gangster Squad? Certainly Zombieland. Yeah. Uh, I was unaware that it, it was him that had directed Gangster Squad. Yeah. But certainly Zombieland and presumably the soon-to-be uh, filming sequel. Yes, yeah, 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 presumably, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Venom, okay. Venom, yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy plays intrepid journalist Eddie Brock, mm-hmm. who is uh, fused together with a symbiotic alien life form called Venom. And, yeah, they embark on kind of... It's kind of anti-hero story, because obviously Venom's a bit of a bastard that likes to eat people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, weirdly, um, I had read some stuff about comparisons between uh, Venom and Lee Whannell's Upgrade, which I talked about last week or the week before. Those comparisons aren't entirely unfounded. Um, I would say I'm not. I'm not saying for a minute that anyone's ripping anyone off here. No. But uh, yeah, there's some, definitely some uh, similarities. They both uh, both main characters have a kind of voice in their head, pretty much constantly <laughs> that they're kind of trying to deal with. Um, the thing in the head can control their body whenever it likes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, there are some similarities certainly. Yeah, that sounds it. But uh, so this one got a little bit of a pan in, didn't it, when it came out? Uh, yeah, and I can kind of see why. How did it work for you? Do you know, again, it's one of those films I enjoyed watching it in the moment, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think it's a great film, because it's not really, it's a bit of a CG mess. I really like Tom Hardy, and I, I like him in this, but it's like he's struggling with the American accent or something, so he hides it under kind of this kind of slurred drawl. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I like him. I, I'm at my drawly Tom Hardy tipping point, I think. <laughs> I couldn't really take Riz Ahmed seriously as the, the villain of the piece either. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the character of Venom. It's slightly removed from the character um, 
certainly that I know from the from the comics and cartoon. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, I had an all right time with it for okay. uh, such as it is. Right, 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 right. Um, okay. Anything else? I've started a deep dive into the the works of Shinya Sukamoto, okay, uh, who directed Tetsuo the Iron Man mm-hmm. um, and stuff like Bullet Bali and uh, Tokyo Fist and things like that. Because I will be talking about Tetsuo the Iron Man on another podcast sometime in the future. Excellent. So uh, I kind of obviously started just watching Tetsuo and just boning up a little bit and trying to refresh my mind on all that stuff. And then I've took a, taken a deep, like I say, taking a deep dive mm-hmm. into the, the sequels to Tetsuo and uh, yeah, all his, all his other work. I take going on to other people's podcasts really seriously. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you should. Yeah, I absolutely think you should. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, every time I've done it, I kind of felt the need to do kind of like a whole load of revision for it. Yeah. 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 That's cool, though. So how was that as a revisit? Well, I've always uh, kind of, in my own filmmaking mm-hmm. work, mm-hmm. Mitchell, I have always uh, kind of <laughs> held Tetsuo the Iron Man up as a, like a massive inspiration. Uh, so because I love Tetsuo so much, it's always cool to go back in and, and revisit it. Um, it's a fucking, it's a great film. Cool. Uh, kind of descending scale from there on the sequels. Right, 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 right. But Sukumoto's done some incredible work, mm-hmm. uh, and I would absolutely urge people to, Go and check out as much as stuff as you can. Nice. Uh, he's, okay. uh, I think he's a really interesting filmmaker. Is that your lot for this week? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, I, like I say, I've, we've been recording almost every night this yeah. week. I've been editing in between times, plus trying to squeeze in what remains of a life. Uh, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just uh, can I try to get on with things, really. So my viewing has been a little more uh, scant this week mm. than than usual. I'll try and up my game for next week because I think we've got we're quieting down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a lot of really good stuff to talk about next week. Oh, right. Um, okay. There was a couple of new releases I was hoping I could catch this week, but just a couple of things came up and it just meant that I couldn't. However, I did. Um, I think it was last Sunday. I finally got round to watching Dan Gilroy's uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, right. Shit. Yeah, I started the other night, but uh, I was so fucking tired. I just I couldn't do it. It, it went off. You have to be in a certain mood for it, I think. Um, so, yeah, we talked about this um, a wee while ago, um, back in January. Um, when, when the trailer when dropped. When the trailer dropped, yeah. Um, so it is a new film from Dan Gilroy, uh, who, of course, directed Nightcrawler. Yep, great uh, film. I fucking love Nightcrawler. Um, a, couple of, a couple of casts from that make their return in this. Uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, if you are unfamiliar, um, it is about a sinister and possibly cursed art exhibit <laughs> that uh, enacts revenge on people who have let greed get in the way of their art. <laughs> um, this is critically quite polarizing, yeah. but people seem to be hating this. Certainly what I've seen, a lot of people are like, started watching Velvet Buzzsaw, hated it, turned it off. Yeah. Or I watched Bel- Velvet Buzzsaw, meh. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that, and I get that, and I think that it is a heavily flawed film. There's mm-hmm. no two ways about it, but I did have a pretty good time with it, and I can almost hear the eyes being rolled yeah um but uh yeah i actually i like i say there's elements of it that really worked for me and elements of it that really didn't i think that one quick rundown some of the character names in this are, uh, is a good indicator of the kind of film you're getting so jake gyllenhaal plays morph vanderwalt see right away who's who's called morph apart from that little plasticine <laughs> guy that tony yeah. hart invented m-o-r-f um Rene russo is here as rodora hayes uh, Stranger Things' Natalia Dyer, uh-huh. credited only as Coco, the artist at the centre of this is called Vetral D's. See, like... I mean, like all these names sound like word jumbles. <laughs> um, but I think that basically, what a part of what it's trying to do, I think, is to 
make a commentary or satirize the art world in the way that the Neon Demon did with modeling. Yeah. I think that element of it is the part that succeeds the most. Okay. And there's a real pretentiousness to the dialogue at the start, especially uh, yeah. at the start, that I think feels very deliberate and feels like a choice. And I can understand why people find that off-putting, but I thought it was quite funny. I think that the film derails as it has to go further down or it chooses to go further down the horror route. Right. Because almost without exception, the deaths in this film are really stupid. Okay. Um, and like, and I think it's it's bothersome because like obviously that's the, like when they're kind of trying to like ratchet up the kind of thrills in a film that is very slow moving. Right. It's a real slow burn. Um, and it's unfortunate and really stifling to the momentum when the kind of the elements or the parts that are supposed to kind of amp that up fall down. Mm-hmm. So it stumbles quite a bit, but at the same time, I got out the other side of it and had a pretty good time. Ah, well, that's, that's all right. Yeah, I, mean, I would say that I'm definitely, I, I seem to be being kinder about it than a lot of people are. Yeah, you're one of the more, certainly one of the more uh, measured voices that I've heard about Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, <laughs> um, but loads of good stuff out just now in uh, the cinema. Yeah. For stuff that looks interesting. And I'm going to try and catch up with this week because Happy Death Day to You is out. It is indeed, yeah. Which, I really want to check it out. Yeah, I'm buzzing for it. Um, Apparently like, apparently, it's a, a real departure. Apparently it goes down a totally different road, which uh-huh. I'm really so excited. To. Yeah, I'm really into that. I like the idea of that. Escape Room, I want to see that too. Right. Also this week, I am catching the Glasgow Film Festival screening of The Hole in the Ground. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which I'm really yeah. looking forward to. So I'm hoping... Yeah, I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I'm hoping I'll be able to come back and talk about all, all of those. Yeah, but, but you did see Lego Movie 2. I did see Lego Movie 2, <laughs> yeah. I was going to try and see Happy Death Day 2 yesterday, and uh, the times didn't align. But I was like, well, fuck it, I'm in town now. Yeah. I might as well go see something. Uh, so yeah, um, I saw the Lego Movie 2, which uh, was really good fun. <laughs> uh, I would recommend it very, very much. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yes, uh, that, that pretty much concludes my viewing for this week. Although... I got one more in. Okay. Um. Again, Windows for viewing pretty limited. Yeah, sure. This mm-hmm. week, mm-hmm. Uh, but I did make time for a revisit. Right. Night of the Living Dead. A little bit kind of relevant to the stuff we've been talking about recently on the show because you were talking about horror, horror noir, noir last, last week. week. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's not much need to be said about Night of the Living Dead. Uh, it's great. I love There's it. a reason it's a classic. Yeah. Um, um, and it's still pretty powerful. Uh, yeah, I think especially, I, the opening scene in particular I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, but yeah, not only kind of relevant to horror noir, but obviously recently we've both been talking about the book uh, Shock Value yeah. by mm-hmm. uh, Jason Zinneman, which was recommended to us by Graham Resnick. And obviously there's a reasonable chunk of that that's about this also. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really good, but I mean, I, you don't need me to tell you that. No. So Leave that to the academics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it to the people who know what they're talking about. I mean, I've got no business hosting a fucking horror podcast. Everyone knows this at this point. We're doing all right, Mitch. We're doing all right. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. What have they been saying? They have once again been saying plenty. A very beefy feedback section this week. Yeah. Um, a big thank you to everybody who's been getting in touch. And on a related note, thank you to Lucy Bigless for joining us last week for Jaws 3D. Yes, very much so. Thank you, Lucy. And uh, kind of predictably... Um, a lot of Jaws chat. A lot of Jaws chat. Um, so I'm going to try and jump back to uh, some stuff that we have from uh, older films than that. Okay. Although, to be in fairness, I have some kind of general commentary, but on my specific film chat is about Jaws. Cool. Well, I'll jump back a little bit then and we'll go mm-hmm. to Call a Boss. Oh, okay. Call uh, the Boss. Call the Boss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, we had uh, Philip Escott on talking about Call a Boss. Just been listening to some of the At Frank Viz episode of Strong Violent PC and I am perversely interested in Call a Boss. Is it streaming anywhere at the moment or is it just waiting for Arrow release? 
I think Fractured Visions weighed back in on that and said, yeah, you can't pretty much can't get it anywhere. Yeah, there's a good uh, reason for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, that, I think the Arrow video release, if I remember correctly, is the eleventh of March. It's certainly next month, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, not too long to uh, not too long to wait for that. Yeah, and and it is it's certainly an interesting film. Uh, it's not necessarily a great film, but it's interesting. It's the weirdest thing. See, when I watched it for the show. Mm-hmm. My initial reaction was like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> and then when we talked to Phil about it, he kind of was really illuminating about the stories of how it was made and obviously um, the kind of stranger elements that contributed to the end result that you got. Yeah. And I've found myself thinking about it since. Right. And it's like, I'm, I, I'm really inclined to go back and I'm getting more inclined to revisit it the more I think about it. All right, okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to it. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's, it's just one of those ones. It's probably, it's ended up being a little bit more insidious than I expected it to. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you got anything pre-Jaws? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, I cool. I don't, know. I've got a, a couple of odds and ends, bits and bobs, but nothing film-related prior to Jaws. Okay, Um. well, let's jump into some Jaws stuff then. Okay. Uh, the Shake 72, just getting in touch to sing another great episode. Thanks all. Thank you very much. Glad you enjoyed it. On Facebook, I, I want to get this mentioned and get it out of the way just now. Tony Constantino, <laughs> uh, who is uh, obviously, as everyone knows, is absolutely slain it in the listeners' uh, Mitch's Pitches suggestions. Yes. Uh, and of course, the inventor of Ron Mintz, Timothy Rhubarb. Reginald Chris. Reginald, who could forget Reginald Chris? <laughs> uh, but uh, t- Tony reached out on uh, Facebook just saying, terrible film, hilarious episode as always. I'm very, very sorry, Mitch Bain, but I couldn't get my mind off the reef chat and had to get my brain fart onto paper. And Tony has. Uh, when when you sent me this, I nearly fucking died laughing. It is absolutely, I, it's absolutely I thought hysterical. It was amazing. Uh, he's photoshopped Mitch onto the body of a man uh, who has his thumbs up. He has photoshopped bottles of Alcopop uh, Reef, <laughs> the orange and passion fruit flavored uh, still Alcopop, uh, into your hands. Uh, you have a sinister, uh, what troubling face. And the, the, <laughs> the title below says Mitch Bain is the great barrier thief <laughs> But it's a tagline that gets me uh, He's the man with no morals Who just needs them corals <laughs> It's really it's really an image that demands attention It's yeah. on our Instagram and it's on our Facebook and Twitter And stuff like that yeah. You can go on and have a look for yourself It's everywhere uh, For a bit of a context You might want to check out The Jaws 3D episode Yeah it will make Not a lick of sense If you don't Yeah I mean it barely makes A lick of sense anyway But (laughs) It's actually such a Fleeting comment That kind of disappears In the episode Uh, But uh, it's in there If you want a bit of context Yeah Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah thanks to Tony For that one Um, Stevie Film fan Stevie On Twitter Getting in touch Saying the fish head scene Near the start was shite can still remember <laughs> thinking it was shite even at 11. Once a cinephile, always a cinephile. So sure. um, Stevie saw this in the cinema right. um, when it came yeah. out. Uh, what followed after that was a conversation between uh, Stevie and a couple of other people on Twitter on the fact that he doesn't look old enough to have seen it in the cinema. Because of his ageless beauty. Yeah, because of his, yeah he's like a vampire. <laughs> ageless Stevie Reeve. Stevie Reeve. Keanu Reeves. Oh. oh. Uh, Stevie attributed on Twitter... Uh, his uh, longevity and uh, youthful appearance to uh, good genes and a monthly bloodbath. Oh, right. So Dr. Lauren McIntyre reached out on Twitter mm-hmm. about Jaws 3, saying, uh, always want to be pedantic about these things. Oh, Can- is it science time? Yeah. Yeah. Can I please point out that, A, 
there's no way Overman looks like a shark attack corpse. And B, forensically, he looks like he's been in the water for a month. In his defence, though, he looks fucking hilarious. He does. <laughs> How long has he been in the water at this point? By my reckoning, long enough to be full of enough putrefying intestinal gas for his torso to look like a puffer fish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you as always for that, Lauren. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm in no position to speculate. Absolutely not. Same. Uh, Caitlin Dens getting in touch again. Scared Soupless on Twitter. This week's phrase from Strong Violent PC that made me look demented at traffic lights was munters of the ocean. Ah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. Me. Uh, that was that was me talking about how uh, bland and boring this underwater kingdom looks. <laughs> yeah, it um, does not look like uh, where Ariel and Sebastian the Crab live. No, I agree. Um, but yeah, a couple of people get into actually saying that uh, Monitors of the Ocean caused some uh, public mm. uh, some public transport laughs and yeah. things like that. Or where Nemo lives. That's true. It's quite yeah, lively no. and colourful. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a fairly uh, it's, it's it's a fairly uh, it's a fairly washed out looking underwater <laughs> landscape <laughs> or seascape. Kind of looks like kind of like a barren planet, like the moon on Mars or something. Yeah, it's, no, totally. It's, it's absolutely exciting. fucking desolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Darren Gaskell getting in touch yeah. I'm also saying the phrase Munters of the Ocean made me inhale the drink of tea I was having at the time don't worry I'm still here despite the choking fit no. in terms well of the f- that's good yeah no always nice to know uh, in terms of the film Jaws 3 is one of those films which I'll see is on remember how dodgy it is and still end up watching it yeah, the shark is so badly rendered it looks like it can't be arsed, but the bit when Shelby Overman's body turns up is still disgracefully hilarious. Also, the cast is a decent one. Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, Lou Gossett Jr., Leah Thompson, and they do seem to be trying to weave something watchable out of the clag they've been handed. And then there's Simon McCorkendale as Fitzroy's adventurer, ladies' man, reckless bellend. He's all of those things. He and, is all uh, of those things. And much, much more. Yeah. Uh, like I say, uh, he, he, I think he's great. Um, gone too soon gone but not forgotten yeah and he is great in this yeah 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 yeah. yeah definitely. also briefly touched on the fact uh, I think we mentioned it in the episode that he was Manimal in the TV show the same name Darren was asking oh do you think anywhere will re-show kind of rerun Manimal mm. um, but I had to remind them that they actually only ever made eight episodes of Manimal so oh. uh, it was uh, it's not really worth anyone's time to <laughs> Theory run animal because there's eight episodes and it's not that good. Ah uh, well. Um, yeah. yeah. Those are two good reasons, I guess. <laughs> um you got anything else in Jaws 3D? Yeah, yep, yeah, sure do. On Instagram, mm-hmm. noted haunted shark hunter, uh, AJ Bowen. Oh reached out to us and said, Guys, we talked about this. It has no haunted shark and no Mario Van Peebles. Both again, valid points. The evidence is undeniable. Yep, and uh, like I say, uh, cheerfully withdrawn, AJ. Uh, I do now firmly believe that Jaws: The Revenge is better than Jaws Three. I agree. Yeah. Yep. I uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm in that camp. I would say for sure. A uh, big thanks to AJ though for getting in touch. Always nice to hear from former guests. Yes, absolutely. Um, a couple of things from Twitter about this. Tony, get in touch again. I, I so I mentioned that I was watching. Part of the kind of demanding schedule I had this week mm-hmm. called for the fact that I watched the last half hour of this on my lunch break at work on my phone. <laughs> okay. Because um, I rented it from Amazon Prime and just had it downloaded. Tony got in touch saying, I pray the five-inch screen disguised at least some of the terrible Sharkamatronics. <laughs> Which it, it kind of did. Um, and in advance of the episode dropping, uh, Dom O'Brien, new person alert, I think. Right. Uh, Dumb O'Brien 85 on Twitter. This sounds like an interesting one. Jaws the Revenge has its fair share of defenders, so I'm looking forward to hearing why Jaws 3D is some cheesy goodness. Hope you enjoyed the episode, Dom, and uh, be curious to know which one of the two you prefer as well. Yeah, definitely. We've got Hanny Ray, at Hanny underscore Ray, mm-hmm. uh, getting in touch to say, I can't 100% deny that I too might pick up my dropped wallet despite threat of drowning and or sharks. <laughs> now, uh, again, that's in relation to the fact that uh, during the flood in the underwater kingdom, 
mm-hmm. uh, in the Jorah and the Whale tunnel thing. One of the extras drops a wallet and runs back to get it, despite the fact that he is in very clear and present danger. Yeah, while screaming, my wallet! <laughs> uh, yeah, I was full of scorn for that guy. Yeah, you were, yeah. yeah. Was it unwarranted? Perhaps, yeah, it's not for us to say. No, no. One more from Instagram, readers of the podcast, was taken to the cinema to see this as a kid. It was the best thing ever. Now, not so much. Still have a soft spot for it, though, which is fair enough. I think that's a, a lot of people's attachment to this is because for those kinds of reasons. Yeah, I had a, I had certainly had a kind of real nostalgic kind of feeling towards Jaws 3, and I feel that that has somewhat diminished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now. I think you find that with revisits to things like that sometimes, don't you? I have uh, some general commentary and... Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'll kick it off. Uh, Haley Alice Roberts got in touch on Twitter and off the back of the live show announcement. Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, more on that in the fullness of time. Yes. Um, like, soon in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, H- Haley getting in touch to say, gutted I'm missing this. I've always wanted a sleepaway camp episode. Haley, yep, sorry you can't make it. That would have been awesome. But we've got you covered. Uh, we will be doing a Sleepaway Camp episode, and you're in good hands because Mr. John McPhail, director of Anna and the Apocalypse, will be joining us to do that. Yeah, and we will be uh, releasing that like a regular episode. We'll yep. be recording it and putting it out. So yep, I think uh, I can actually tell you it's episode 44. It'll be episode 44. Yeah, okay, so that's airing somewhere mid-March then, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think I've... that works out the 15th of March. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a little bit longer to wait than the others, Haley, but don't worry, you will get your chance to hear that episode. Yep. Uh, got some general niceness. <laughs> general niceness. Oh, look at that. Ricky Munga, Mungags. Yes, the man who gave us Big Tit Zombie and didn't provide a return address, so now we're fucking stuck with it. <laughs> the, man, the man who gave us Big Tit Zombie then swiftly left the country. <laughs> I know what you're doing. Uh, big hello to Ricky and Sally, and uh, congratulations, they have recently become parents. Oh, congratulations, Ricky, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so congratulations to them. Thanks for getting in touch. Also, they are in Australia, and he just got in touch, just saying, finally sorted out a podcast app on my new phone. Welcome to Australia, boys. The global strong language violence scenes pandemic continues. Well, we're already there. Yeah, we have a we have small presence there. Yeah, we already have a small presence there, so it's nice to be broadening, uh, stretching those tendrils out. We're not going to be doing a live show at the Sydney Opera House anytime soon, but uh, on the subject of the live show, some utter fucking madness on Twitter this week. <laughs> um, so, uh, Cosmic Ray Girl, getting in touch, saying, uh, I won't be coming along unless you want a potential labour during your show. All right. Which I think uh, is probably is better that we sidestep that. Can uh, it, as long as it's at the end. <laughs> like... Um, but no, Alexa's getting in touch saying obviously she wouldn't make it, which is a shame, but I uh, hope you're well. Yes, Alexis. yeah. Um, and uh, Dennis Extra Atherton got in touch with uh, something that people ended up building on, including Alexis herself. But um, Dennis said, I see the crowd all shouting in one voice together in unity, one of us, one of us, as you give birth on stage to a boy. And the first thing he hears is Andy screaming, it's Mitch's pitches. Then as you name him Andrew Mitchell, we play the music from Rosemary's Baby at full volume. Sounds fine. Absolutely nightmarish, but wonderful. <laughs> what an imagination. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you, Dennis. Um, I think I'm just about out now. Cool. I'm just going to quickly do one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listened to last week's Minisode, you'll know that we rounded out the Minisode by going through the names of everyone who donated to the Just Given that Tony Constantino had set up for us. Mm-hmm. Again, absolutely amazing. Um, in the intervening week, we have had a couple of other people okay. who donated too. Um, one of them being Mr. Mark Logan. Yes. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for dipping in and doing that. That's amazing. And your comment was more and more. We will give you more. Yeah, of course we will. Yeah. And, and thank you, actually, thanks to Mark just in general for always being really up and being really up for spreading the word and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Reginald Crisp 
I saw that. Chipped in a tenner, which uh, is, is awful good of him. Awful good of him. Original Chris chipping in a tenner with the, with the uh, comment, curse you, Ron Mince, I believe. <laughs> I, I love the fact that the Minceverse has grown so much <laughs> at this point. So full of so many rich characters. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. Uh, yeah, we, um, that took us to five hundred pounds, um, which is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, we've touched on it at length last week, but thank you so much to everybody yeah. who um, has chipped in there. Yeah, and thanks to Reginald Crisp actually, because he hit the five hundred pound mark, um, which is a nice round number, and it satisfies my obsessive compulsive drives uh, and uh, needs. Yeah, if anyone wants to really wind Andy up at this point, just chip in a pound. Don't you? Well, no, no, every pound actually helps. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you feel that you want to do that, do so. But just know that it will drive me uh, insane. And with that, yeah, it is once again time for Mitch's pitches. You must know how this works by now. But just in case you don't, Mitch's pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a message to my phone. It will be a picture message. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title, the tagline, any identifying text. He will leave only the central image from the poster. My job? I'll be describing it to the best of my ability, giving the film a title and also a synopsis. We'll put the picture everywhere on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and all that so you can play along at home. We will, of course, also be looking for your submissions. Yeah! On well that, done that subject. Man. Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on that subject, we uh, we had some great ones this week. Um, oh, here we go. Also, a little bit of feedback. Ross McIntyre got in touch just saying, thanks to Strong Violent PC and Mitch's Pitches, as I've got a bad feline about this place just made me laugh out loud on the bus. Of course, I've got a bad feline about this place was my reinterpretation of the Corpse Grinders. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, <laughs> and quite close. It was too. Yeah, obviously the title wasn't, but my synopsis I was quite pleased with. Yeah, yeah, I th- sure. I think we, um, I was doing quite well on that one. So that picture is everywhere, um, that image. Uh, so if you haven't seen it before, now would be a good time to go check that out. Sure. Um, because we have had a hell of a lot of pitches. Let's go, let's dig in. So Mark the Davies on Instagram, very alliteratively satisfying here. Feral Felines 4, the formative years. <laughs> Sticking with alliteration, Kenna Dowoon, Danny Naylor on Instagram, getting in touch. 1984's Cattery Carnage. Yep. <laughs> which, I'm also, uh, which I'm also pretty fond of. Um, moving on to Facebook, Laura Bynan. Ron's inheritance of a pet food factory turns into a deadly game of cat and mince in Grinder 2. Pussy Riot? <laughs> Pussy Riot kind of featured quite heavily. I think uh, Alexis Donnelly said yeah, Pussy Riot as well over on Twitter. Yeah, she did pitch that. That's right. Um, Freighter, Stacey, getting in touch on Facebook. Cat Squad 4, the intrepid felines investigate rumours of disappearances near a meat processing factory. Sure, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also pretty good. Moving over to Twitter... Right. Uh, got uh, Hanny, Hanny Ray. Soylent Green meets Canyon Matron in the absurd Grindhouse adventure Tidbits of Death. Mittens knows that the best ingredient is people. <laughs> <laughs> James Plum at Mad Science Films. Sausage and Pussy Party 2, the second chapter. Good lot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, gearing back to Facebook. Right. So, Boz. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's coming from the angle that the disheveled looking permed and bearded man is Bob Ross. 
Which I, which I like. Yeah, um, and why not? Like, uh, for uh, Bob Ross is the only person who's ever worn those two things like in tandem. That's the road that Boz has gone down anyway. Okay. Bob Ross has finally reached the end of his tether after a stray cat added a bit more water to his collar than anticipated while he was painting a version of the new high-tech nurse-operated mincing supercomputer, Halal 3000. <laughs> Fuck. Enraged by Fuck this... Fuck off. Enraged by this, he goes on a killing spree and begins feeding victims to his still-life subject. The cats are exceedingly troubled by this and turn their ire against the hapless operator Nurse Janet. Janet was the name of the nurse in my pitch as well. Yeah, yeah. No one is safe in 1992's Cat Piss Paint Dilution Massacre. Pissing, <laughs> pissing Bob's paints and he'll show no restraint. <laughs> what was the title? Cat Piss Paint Dilution Massacre, 1992. <laughs> so that's Bob's. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tony Constantino. Okay, right. So I think at this, I think at this point we should take a moment to familiarise ourselves or re-familiarise ourselves with how the Flay Minion series has gone up to this point. So <laughs> I'm in no position to do that. Flay Minion, the original, yeah, uh, was of course the story of Ron Mintz being fused. Uh, it's an origin story. It was an origin story. Ron Mintz being fused to a rustler steak sandwich. Yep, and uh, carrying out vengeance uh, for his um, for uh, his bovine brethren on the factory floor. Yeah. Number two. Uh, Flame Minion 2 Bugs Prey, which uh, followed the fortunes of Reginald Crisp, the health inspector, who uh, turned up at the at the event yeah. um, just to carry out a routine inspection, somehow got reincarnated as a giant cockroach, Sure, had to get revenge on Ron Mintz and win back the love of his life. That uh-huh. was a musical. Yeah, sure. So I feel like you were baiting Tony by uh, doing one that had uh, such an emphasis on minced beef. <laughs> in my own defence, I, I just really liked the image. It was only as I was kind of removing the title and stuff I was like fuck that's a big pile of mints yep um so Tony right when a down on his luck PI takes an unusual case from a mysterious athletic woman to locate both a faulty microwave and the man responsible for the death of her husband his investigation into (laughs) stories of a meaty massacre four years earlier take him to the once peaceful town of Sandwich, Illinois But nothing there is as it seems, as he soon discovers he's merely a pawn in the deadly machinations of scorned widow Dorothy Crisp and, <laughs> and her catastrophic revenge plan. Could a local hobo that smells suspiciously of barbecue sauce be the key to stopping her? As Mrs. Crisp seizes control of the local meatpacking facility with her legion of malevolent microwave-powered hellcats, <laughs> Detective Buff Rockhard must waste- <laughs> Detective Buff Rockhard must race to help Ron rediscover his humanity and put those terrible felines aside before Dorothy grinds down the town's entire population in her quest for vengeance. Starring Nick Nolte and Chevy Chase. (laughs) Wait, wait. I'm guessing then that Chevy Chase is Ron Mintz. And uh, Nick Nolte would be Buff Rockhard. (laughs) Sold! Starring Nick Nolte and Chevy Chase, witness the most totally inconsistent chapter in the saga yet as Ron Mintz returns to finally catone for his sins in 1985's Straight to Betamax comedy sequel National Lampoon's Flame Minion 3 The Catpocalypse Mincident. <laughs> this, <laughs> this year, vengeance will be mince. <laughs> I mean... I haven't laughed like that in a long time. Thanks, Tony. Um, so... Fucking hell. See, originally it was going to Boz purely for the, actually for his uh, tagline. Piss and Bob's paints and also no restraint. Yeah, I firmly believe that to be true. Uh, but I don't see how I, 
how I can't give it to to Tony for the sheer level of effort that's going into that. I mean, that really is remarkable. Yeah. I think I think it's his finest work to date. Yeah, plus thrown in the great barrier thief in there as well. Yeah, uh, he's done an incredible amount of work this week, and I think he definitely deserves it because that was fucking hilarious. He is. He spent almost as much time on the podcast as we have this week. <laughs> he's the silent thub. He is, he is. Um, he's coming to live show as well. Yeah. Uh, big thank you to everyone who got in touch this week. That was, as always, fucking hilarious. You were all geniuses. Thank you for all of those. Yeah, you, you guys brighten up my week immensely with these things. It's uh, it's an absolute highlight. Uh, yeah, same. Uh, however, let's get down to business. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, so... This, uh, the background of this image or the frame of this image is kind of a very, very dark, kind of blood red. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. And there's like a kind of, uh, there's a kind of three lined border <laughs> running around the edge in white. Thanks for that, Major. That, that is uh, important, yeah, uh, also pointless. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm describing it to the best of my ability. We have two scantily clad women yeah. here. Uh, one seems to have kind of fairish hair, the other one is a brunette. They're both covered in blood. <laughs> Uh, one of them is definitely wearing kind of denim hot pants and kind of yellow kind of cheap top thing. I say cheap top, it's got a sleeve. Um, yeah, she's covered in blood. The fair-haired one is sitting on some crates. She's wearing a cheap top, it's white. They're co- and she's also covered in blood. There is a hook hanging above them that is uh, kind of linked to a chain which is being held by a black-gloved hand which is kind of creeping into the left-hand side of the frame. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's pretty much everything. I would say so. Okay, I will, as ever. Need just a moment. Then, sir, a moment you shall have. <laughs> Every time, man. Why do we sit quietly looking at each other during this, just smiling? I know, I should be thinking. <laughs> Are you getting on there? Yeah, I think I'm good to go. Yeah? Oh, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. Good, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Aspiring filmmaker Astrid Devereaux thinks she has... <laughs> mm-hmm. Stop it. Aspiring filmmaker Astrid Devereaux thinks she has it made when she's hired to direct a music video for the new single from hair metal band Sticky Fingers. <laughs> As Astrid and her crew head to an Amazonian industrial storage unit to shoot, flanked by the band and a host of scantily clad backing dancers, things take a sour turn as members of the crew are picked off one by one by an enigmatic gloved killer. The Giallo is given a hard-rocking makeover in 1985's Sex, Drugs and Slaughtered Souls. (laughs) Wow, okay. That was quite an interesting synopsis. You went deep on that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I got that from. But, uh, okay, so please explain how wrong I am. You're absolutely right. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Your face there was a mask of confusion. Uh, No, uh, what year did you say? I said 85. 85. Well, it's 72. Oh, miles out. Okay. So now perhaps the oldest one we've done. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the film is Three on a Meat Hook. Three on a meat hook. Yep. I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Synopsisize me. Yeah. Four girls go on a romping weekend at a lake and have car problems on the way home. A uh-huh. nice local boy takes them back to his farm where he lives with his father. Something ghastly happens, but the father helps his son as he has in the past. 
When the boy meets a girl and begins falling in love, the father worries about a repeat performance. Oh my god. That right, okay. was the synopsis from IMDB. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a long synopsis. It's written IMDb. by E. Sutton. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Uh, that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. Of course, we want you to get in touch. Yeah. Tell yeah. us your ideas. The image is now everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go check it out. Get back to us. We want to hear your ideas. Chuck it in your eyes and let us know your thoughts because they're very funny and they make me chuckle. Yeah. So a couple of things left to look at. First of all, quick refresher um, about a live show. Yeah, yeah. That's Thursday the 28th of February at McFab's in Glasgow. Doors at 6pm. Tickets are free. Yeah, and they are available now, though there are only a handful left. Yep, and they're available on Eventbrite. Yeah, so if you've got the Eventbrite app, you can just search Strong Language and Violent Scenes. Alternatively, all over our social media, the ticket links are everywhere. Yep, get them while they're going. Yeah, it would be good to see any of you down there. Any of you? Some of you? Hopefully. <laughs> just please, someone. Yeah, just like, look, look, just, just, just come, okay? Please. Like, we really need this. <laughs> And of course, um, our guest uh, for the evening will be Anne and the Apocalypse director John McPhail returning to talk Sleepaway Camp with us. And as if that all wasn't enough, there will be Mitch's Pitches. There will be Mitch's Pitches and also a Q&A. And once again, we have goodies to give away, courtesy of our pals at Arrow Video. Yes. All around good times. Solid gold people across the board. Yes. And just another reminder, Mitch, a further reminder, as if people aren't being reminded of enough things, mm-hmm. um, that the Listener's Choice episode, which we just recorded with returning guest Billy Kirkwood, yes. will air on March the 1st. The following day after the live show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And of course, if, if you didn't know by now, we are covering Howard the Duck. Yes. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Lauren McIntyre for that. Thanks, in uh, Thanks, Lauren. <laughs> um, but yeah, guess we should take a look at what's going on this Friday. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about this one. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw it. I saw it in the cinema. Haven't seen it since. First watch for me, in a shocking twist. <laughs> um, our guest this week, she is a journalist and film critic for the likes of Birth Movies, Death, Vague Visages, and the list. She's also a news editor at Wicked Horror. It's Joey Keo. Yes, Joey, uh, and going back to a, a simpler time, Mitch, yeah. I think, when uh, music wasn't complicated, people were just like... Uh, it was mostly in drop C. Yeah, music was in drop C, it wasn't complicated, it was very chugga-chugga. Potentially dethroning Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 as the most new metal film that we've ever covered. I oh I I, I have to wholeheartedly agree with that. Mm-hmm. I have to wholeheartedly agree with that. So if, if you haven't guessed it yet, it's Queen of the Damned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is gonna be fun. Yeah, it's one of those ones that I kind of always assumed that I would have seen by now. You know, like one way or another, because I've been kind of doing a lot of. A kind of clean up and catch up yeah. of like early noughties mm. horror so it's interesting that I haven't seen this yet but I'm going to say soon. one thing though Mitch oh, yeah? I have a vague memory of there being a disturbed song on the soundtrack yes um, which I mean I'm not down with that sickness oh I am uh, I'm, I am not oh I'm all over um, it so... unrepentant disturbed lover over here and this was the last episode of Strong <laughs> Language and Violence scene. Uh, of course it's not it is not Joey Keogh joins us Friday to talk Queen of the Damned we want to know your thoughts on this. <laughs> and uh, everything else we've been talking about today. Facebook. And on Disturbed. 
And undisturbed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, loads of ways to get in touch. Facebook and Instagram are strong language violent scenes. You can tweet us as well at strong violent PC and you can send longer thoughts to strong language violent scenes at gmail.com. Yes, you can. And anywhere you fancy listening, we're pretty much there. Yep. But if you're feeling nice and kind and generous, which we know you all are, we've we've seen the proof of that, Mitch. We've seen the proof of our listeners' generosity. Mm-hmm. Just indeed. ask just for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could just like us or share us or drop a wee review. Subscribe, uh, yeah, on whichever whichever podcast platform you choose to listen. On. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. Meantime, though, we will be back Friday. Yes, talking Queen of the Dam. Join us then if you can. Don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.